Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. We thank you so much for joining us on this episode as we continue our discussion on the deity of Jesus Christ. The deity of Jesus Christ, part two. Uh, For those of you that missed the previous episodes, you can visit our website, srministries.org, www.srministries.org, and you can uh, listen to the first episode. On this episode, we want to continue this doctrine of the divine Jesus. Jesus is divine. Jesus is not a lesser God than the Father. Jesus is equal in all aspects to the Father. On the last episode, we started off by reminding uh, the church of our heritage. Uh, The Christian church spent its infancy Um, defending the faith and uh, making sure that the truth of God's word uh, was not uh, contaminated or uh, was not misused, as Paul says in Galatians, the first chapter, that God's word would not be perverted, but that God's word would rather be preserved. And that's what God did through the power of the Holy Ghost Uh, His word was able to be preserved uh, until the time that you and I came along to read it. And so God's word um, has been preserved. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, corrupted manuscripts. That's a whole nother episode. But uh, we do have God's word in its fulfillment. So in terms of God's deity, we talked about what not to believe. We talked about modalism and how uh, Sibelius had a wrong view of uh, Christ as it refers to his deity. Uh, Sibelius believed in modalism. And we said uh, that uh, modalism basically uh, robbed Jesus of his full deity. And we said that it was heretical. Then we shifted gears and we talked about Arianism. We, we talked about how the presbyter or the priest Arius, uh, who lived in the third and fourth century, uh, he would teach his followers that Jesus had a beginning. And we said that that was heretical. Uh, it's false teachings. And God um, is very, very um, interested in the purity of his word. When we use the term sound doctrine, we talk, we're talking about the Greek word who gaze, which means healthy. So when we talk about healthy doctrine or when we talk about sound doctrine, we're talking about healthy doctrine. When we're talking about sound teaching, we're talking about healthy teaching. So God is interested in healthy teaching. What false teaching does is it makes us unhealthy. It brings in the spirit of sin. When we teach something that's not the truth, God is, 
is fully against falsehood. And we as Christians must be like God. We must be interested in the truth. Even if we don't fully understand a teaching, we must agree with God that it's true through faith. And hopefully, as you grow in the spirit, if it's not a mystery, if it's not cataloged as a mystery, you will have access in learning what it is. There are things that we consider mysteries, the mysteries of God that belongs to God alone. Knowledge that belongs to God alone are defined as mysteries. But there are a lot of doctrine that God has unveiled to us, and we all are able to gain access and to comprehend as well as apprehend what we are reading. So, again, Arianism was a third or fourth century movement by the priest Arius, and he argued and taught his followers that, yes, Jesus was God, but he was a lesser God. He was created by God, and that is her- heretical view. Jesus has always been eternal. Jesus is fully God. He's God the Son. Uh, Arius' misunderstanding of the phrase only begotten led him to his false conclusion. John 3.16 and 1 John 4.9 were some of the um, citations he used to argue his point, but he was misinterpreting, mistranslating those verses. And we all uh, could fall in that line if we are not uh, learning proper hermeneutics. Proper hermeneutics is the science and art or biblical interpretation. When we talk about hermeneutics, we're talking about the correct way to interpret the scriptures. So if you're not exposed to proper hermeneutics, you are setting yourself up to misinterpret passages bit, uh, just like uh, Arius did. So we need to make sure that we have been trained in proper hermeneutics. All churches, all Christian churches, all healthy teaching churches ought to offer hermeneutic classes. There ought to be classes that teach people how to study the Bible. There ought to be classes that teach people how to interpret passages. And uh, there ought to be classes that teach individuals or Christians how to exegese in terms, uh, uh, rather than eisegese. Exegese means to pull out from the scripture what's there. Eisegese is the faulty way to interpret scripture, and that's to read into the scripture what's not there. So all believers, if you're interested in God's truth, practice exegesis. So let's look at um, this whole Arian movement for a few minutes. So Arius, as I said before, he denied the divinity of Jesus Christ. Arius said that there was a time where the Son of Man wasn't. And that was his argument, that Jesus uh, had a beginning. Jesus was created by God the Father, and that's not true. As, as we look at uh, John 3.16, that's not what it says. When we look at 1 John 4 and 9, that's not what it says. When we look at Colossians 1.13 through 15, which I talked about last week, that word uh, firstborn of all creation is not talking about uh, being born first. That's not what it means in that context. What Paul was saying was that Jesus was first in rank over all creation. He was saying that Jesus had authority over all creation. Uh, It didn't uh, mean that Jesus was born first over all creation like the English word may imply. This is why it's important that we go back to the root words 
of uh, when we're talking about Bible study, we go back to the Greek. You may you may not know Greek, but you don't have to know Greek or know it fluently. We have resources to help us to better understand what that text is saying. And then once you find out what the word is saying, you just don't interpret in isolation just by looking at the meaning of the word. You have to look at it in context. You have to go back and look at what the uh, what the context of the passage is, what's happening in terms of what the writer is writing before that text and what that writer is writing after the text. You can't go to a text and just lift it in isolation and say, oh, this is what it means when you have not considered the full passage. Then once you consider the full passage, you have to consider the theme, the spirit of the of the letter. Why was it written? So all of these things are important into in terms of proper interpretations. It's not as simple as saying, I'm going to pick up the Bible, turn to a text, and then interpret. That is a faulty uh, method to use when trying to interpret God's word. So uh, Arius misinterpreted various passages that dealt with the divinity of Jesus Christ. He was mistaken. Um, His interpretation or his conclusion was faulty. And so it's important, again, that we practice proper hermeneutics, which will lead us to a proper conclusion. Proper hermeneutics leads us to a proper conclusion or proper interpretation. So just like in Colossians 1.15, as I stated before, if Paul wanted to say that Jesus was first created, he could have used the Greek word protokistos, but he didn't use the word protokistos. He used the word prototokos, and prototokos means first in rank, first in authority. That's what Paul was trying to convey, that Jesus being God had everything under his power, under his rule. He is the chief among all creations. That's what uh, Paul was signifying. It didn't have anything to do with his ontology in terms of his beingness, his divine beingness. That's not what Paul was trying to uh, convey. Paul was trying to convey Jesus' position. Position. He wasn't dealing with his being. He was dealing with his position, his functionality. Jesus is first in rank above all creations. Why? Because he's Alpha and Omega. And as Alpha and Omega, he was before all things. He was with the Father when they created all things. And that is important to know. So in response to the movement of Arianism, the church, the uh, collective church, the Catholic church, and when I say Catholic, I'm not talking about denomination. I'm talking about universal Uh, The word Catholic means universal, so I'm meaning it in that sense. The church came together, and they uh, formed what we call today the Nicene Creed. They formulated this doctrine called the Nicene Creed. And the Nicene Creed was in response to this movement of Arianism that was catching among a lot of uh, people that wanted to follow Christ. They were being misled by this faulty doctrine called Arianism. Uh, taught by the presbyter Arius. So, again, Arius taught this heretical doctrine that there was a time where the Son of Man wasn't, which implied that Jesus had a beginning, and the Bible doesn't teach that. That was his faulty interpretation. So, in response, the church stood up like the church normally does, stand up to false doctrine. Uh, In Galatians, we're reminded by Paul that if we or angel from heaven or anyone else 
preach another gospel to you than what, that one that which you have received, let them be accursed. Anathema. Let, the, let, let them be accursed. So Paul is not mincing words. Paul is not playing around when the church confronts fault, when the church experiences or come in contact with faulty doctrine, we got to stand up. We can't just let faulty doctrine uh, go by or, or, or permeate or, or, or flourish. We as a church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to stand up for truth. We have to stand up for what's just and we have to stand up for what's sound. Because if we don't, then what happens is we have examples like David Koresh and the Branch Davidians in Texas. We have examples like uh, Jim Jones and, uh, and his movement in Guyana. We have these examples. So we don't want people to, uh, to get hurt trying to follow Jesus. We don't want people to be misled trying to follow Jesus. All because we stood by and let people preach a gospel that was faulty. So the Nicene Creed was in response to Arianism. And it reads as follows. It says, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten. See, here's the key. Begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him, all things were made. So basically, what this Nicene Creed is saying is that Jesus is not a lesser God. He, 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 he's consubstantial uh, with the Father. He, he's equal to the Father. He's not lesser than the Father. Not begotten like Arius was saying. He, he, he wasn't formulated by the Father. He was there in the beginning. Again, the Nicene Creed says, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. I love that. Begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became a man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. That's the Nicene Creed, which was in response to Arianism, who dare to rob Jesus of his divinity. Jesus is divine. Jesus is fully God, not a lesser God than the Father. Jesus is equal to the Father in beingness. So it's important that we understand this doctrine, that Jesus is more than just a baby born in Bethlehem. He's more than just our Lord and Savior. Jesus, Jesus is fully God. Only God could satisfy or propitiate for our sins. Only God 
uh, who is the perfect sacrifice, will be received by the Father. So we talked about John 1.1 as an argument for the divinity of Christ. And it's right there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Lagos, and the Lagos was with Theos, and the Lagos was Theos. John is not afraid to lay it all out that Jesus is God. And, and then in, just in case we didn't know who he was talking about, he said, and he became flesh, and he tabernacled with us. He tabernacled with us. Again, using the Old Testament illustration of God, uh, uh, his countenance being in the tabernacle, uh, especially in the Holy of Holies, he uses that same imagery for Jesus. If he wasn't God, how could uh, John dare use that same reference point for God the Son? John 1 and 18 says, no one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son who is in in the arms of the Father, he has explained him. Again, what this means is that Jesus is the perfect representation of God the Father. If you see Jesus, you've seen the Father. He is equal to the Father. And then John 8.58, um, I'll let you read the, the entirety uh, when you're doing your Bible study, but John 8.48 through 59, but it's John 8.58 that I'm most interested in. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, this is important because Jesus is using the divine divine title, which was always associated with the Father from Exodus 3.14. He's using that for himself. So, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And the Jews knew what he was saying. They knew exactly what he was saying. This is why in verse 59 of John chapter 8, it says, therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and left the temple grounds because they knew what Jesus was implying. When Jesus used that divine title for himself, he's saying before Abraham was, I am. And if you go back to the pre-incarnate Christ, he is often known as the angel of Yahweh. And if you go back to that passage in Exodus chapter 3, you will see that it was Jesus who called Moses to the side uh, during his experience with the burning bush. The angel of Yahweh doesn't mean that Jesus isn't an angel, but in the literal Hebrew, it means the, uh, the, the messenger of God. The messenger of God. That Hebrew word angel is messenger. And the angel, the messenger of Yahweh, the messenger of God. It was Jesus who called Moses to the side to witness the burning bush so he could speak to him. Then we look at Romans 9 and 5. Whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh who is over all? God blessed forever. Amen. Jesus is over all. Think about that. Our Jesus is over all. Just like in Colossians, right? He's first in rank. Uh, he, he, he created everything. He was not created. He owes his existence to no one. Titus 2.13 looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Right there in Titus 2.13, Titus calls Jesus God. Again, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing and the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1 and 8. 
But regarding the son, he says, your throne, God, is forever, and the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of his kingdom. And it reminds me of Psalms 110. Uh, my, uh, uh, my God said to uh, my God, sit thou at the right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And this is an important passage. Again, the son is called God. Um, and, and we can't escape that reality. Um, Hebrews 1, 10 through 12. He also says in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never end. Your years will never end. Christ is eternal. And as we said before, um, the Bible is filled with uh, uh, labels for Jesus that tells us that he's God. He's Alpha and Omega. Um, Revelations 117 through 18. He's Savior, Matthew 121. He's King, Revelation 17 and 14. He's Judge, uh, Psalms 96 and 13, and as well as 2 Timothy 4 and 1. Uh, he's light, John 9 and 5. He's shepherd, Hebrews 13 and 20. He's creator, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, and Hebrews 1 and 10. He's omnipresent, Matthew 28 and 20. Lo, I'll be with you always, as we see in the Great Commission. And how can he be with, with us always if he's not omnipresent? He's omnipotent, meaning he got all power, John 10 and 18. Immutable, meaning not, not non-changing, never changing, uh, Hebrews 13 and 8, and he receives worship, John 9 and 38. And that's important because when we look at uh, the New Testament, we look at the apostles, we see that uh, numerous times uh, various apostles uh, were um, used by God to perform various miracles, and the people that were eyewitnesses wanted to worship the apostles, but the apostles immediately rejected it. They always told the people, we're not God, so don't worship us. But here we have Jesus who receives worship, and he's a forgiver of sins. Who else can do that but God? So John 9.38 reminds us that he is uh, a receiver of worship, and Jesus uh, can and will forgive us if we're sincere and authentic. So this doctrine of Christ's deity is very important. It's very important. Why? Because it's biblical. It's biblical. Uh, you have groups such as the Jehovah Witnesses who share a lot of commonality with Arianism because they also believe that Jesus is God, but they believe he was created, just like Arius. Uh, and, and, and so even today, when we don't deal with her heresies, it goes unchecked. And then people continue to perpetuate it where uh, it becomes an albatross around people's neck. And we don't want people to follow Christ in falsehood. We want people to worship God in spirit and in truth. So it's very important that we learn what the Bible is teaching us and not what we want the Bible to teach, but rather what the Bible and God want to teach us about Christ's ontology, about his beingness, about his functionality, his essence. We need to know what the Bible says so we can share the truth with others. Well, our time has come to a close. We thank you for joining us, and we pray that you learn something. As always, thank you all for your prayers. Thank you all for your encouragement. And certainly, we need 
uh, your continued donations. Uh, you can go to our website and uh, may you continue to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.